This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. Well, we went from probably not using the phrase social distancing at all to hearing it and perhaps even saying it every single day. So what exactly does it mean and why is it so important as we fight the spread of COVID-19? Well, let's bring on Dr. Christopher Carlston, physician, professor and head of respiratory medicine at the Department of Medicine at UBC. He's joining us on the line now. Thank you so much for being with us. Hi, Jill. Uh, You're welcome. Hi there. Well, talk a bit if you can. How would you define social distancing? Good question, and it it seems to be changing uh, a bit over time. But really, it's keeping a reasonable distance between yourself and anyone perhaps outside of your family, the people that you essentially need to spend uh, time with on a regular basis, except in the cases where it's really necessary for what we call essential services. All right. So if you're going about your, your daily life and if you're somebody that uh, you're not self-isolating, you're still outside or out and about, uh, we're hearing this one meter to two meters. Is that a safe distance to stay away from people? Yeah, I think two meters if you can, because really the more distance, the better. And I just want people to understand why that is, because it's, it's not really something um, that we, we made up or that we're recommending to make people's lives difficult. But this virus, the COVID-19 virus, is sped, excuse me, spread by droplet. And what, what droplet means is it's basically a, a small uh, liquid that, that comes out of, of the mouth, essentially. And those droplets will fall quickly uh, to the ground, thankfully. It's not uh, what we call airborne. Airborne would be something that remains suspended for long periods of time in the air. And thankfully, it's not like that. Uh, but Keeping this distance, and again, two meters is reasonable, uh, should protect people because those droplets generally won't pa- uh, excuse me won't travel two meters in distance. And that make, that makes sense. Is it different though because we're still getting the message to get outside, get fresh air, uh, make sure you may take a walk or, or do that if you can. So I've been seeing though people say on the seawall that are quite close together, whether it's friends talking or even people jogging and passing each other. Is it less likely that you would get infected in an outdoor situation like that as opposed to a confined space? Well, it is less likely in the sense that the confined, confined spaces have more surfaces. And so there's the, the transmission from someone coughing. Um, that, that's kind of what we're mainly alluding to here. But there's a, another very important transmission route, which is, is when the droplets fall and touch surfaces, they remain there. And it's actually uh, being shown uh, a bit concerningly that, that the virus can live on these surfaces for longer than we thought. So in the outdoor environment, you know, you're not generally, if a droplet, say, falls to the ground, you're not generally going to be touching the ground with your hands. There are issues with the shoes, and, 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 and we could get into that. But I wanted to get back to something you are saying briefly, Jill, because I think we're still seeing, although it is getting better day by day, we're still seeing people that don't seem to either take seriously or respect or, or for reasons I don't understand, um, honor this 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 strong uh, uh, request, really, which practically should be mandatory. We don't quite have that power. But for people to truly keep that distance, um, and and I am concerned um, that I, as you, uh, still see people a bit too close together. 
And we, we, there's a municipality now, Port Coquitlam today has announced that they're closing down playgrounds because I think there's also some confusion there that daycares remain open, kids will want to go outside and play. Uh, is there a danger with kids playing together or if you take your kids to the park and they're playing with other kids? Well, there's some danger. I mean, we're, 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 uh, we're trying really hard to, to balance um, our education um, against any any risk that people would um, feel panic over this. But the, the playground situation is, again, one that has a lot of surfaces. Um, so uh, touching those surfaces then could transmit to another individual. The other issue is that you know, children, quite understandably, um, depending on their age, might have a harder time um, remembering and, and, and being consistent with the need to stay separated. Uh, the other issue with children is that they generally don't get sick, uh, as in don't manifest uh, the, the, the virus in a way that makes them feel or look sick, but they can easily transmit it. Uh, to others that are more uh, susceptible. So these are the reasons that the playground setting, the daycare setting um, is a concern. Right. And also adults, I think you can be more careful about not touching your eye or touching your face, whereas kids are probably doing that uh, all the time. I'm also getting questions about people who are arriving from overseas that are going into self-isolation on how they get home from the airport. If somebody gives them a ride, does that person then have to self-isolate or is that person in danger or in danger of catching the virus as well? Well, so a couple of different questions there. One, one, does that person have to self-isolate? For example, the person who's driving home, someone who's arriving uh, from another country, no, we don't think they do so long as that uh, person arriving is, is not sick. Now, none of these, none of these um, if you will, protocols or algorithms are perfect. They're all based on what we think is the most reasonable balance of risks and benefits. Um, and, and we're really just trying to do our best with, with the evidence we have. Um, that, that's probably the best advice for people picking up uh, loved ones at the airport. So even if that loved one has to isolate because they've been overseas, as long as they're not showing signs of sickness, the person giving them the ride should be fine to continue on their daily life? That's the current recommendation. All right. Uh, What are you recommending then? Like you said, not everybody is taking this as seriously as they should. We're still seeing people getting into elevators, getting into close spaces. What would be the number one thing you would like to see people doing right now? I'd like people to think really carefully about the idea of what's essential and be very open and humble about the idea of essential activity. And I think when most people think carefully about it, they realize that they really can remain isolated more than they perhaps realize. I'm doing all this work, including this call, and and really a lot of work directly uh, in the hospital and our preparations and a number of other layers important to my job, including even patient care, essentially all by my, by my home, at my home, uh, by, by telephone and video conferencing. And it's not perfect, but I'm adapting and I'm learning to, to be, I think, still very effective. And I think people have to, to, to try to do the same. And, and what seems a, a impossible or a huge inconvenience at first um, becomes easier with, 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 with folks focusing on this and realizing that this is a limited period of time that we have to get through, but this distancing is incredibly important, probably the most important thing we can do. All right. We will leave it there. Dr. Carlston, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. You're welcome, Jim.